With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today. Bet $100. Get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. The sportsgamblingpodcast.com says W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN NFL Playoff Challenge. $500 up for grabs and prizes exclusively on the SGPN app. Yes, sir. We are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no guy. It's me, really real, villain real, Terrell Furman Jr. at your service. And it is a Wednesday night in the association. Got my guy Scott Studio Rochelle right with me. Scott, what's going on? Yeah, nothing much. Looking forward to going through the Wednesday card. Unfortunately, had a losing day in the NBA yesterday. I was so damn close to Josh Hart double-double at plus 400 as my yeah, dog. Yeah, three points. I was on it, too. Three points. I needed three points in basically the entire fourth quarter, and he scored zero, uh, which was unfortunate. As for my luck, I took the Cavaliers. I know I thought fading, you were crazy. Uh, it, it's fair if you thought I was crazy. Truth is, Cleveland was in a good spot until they had a seven-point possession. Cleveland was never in a good spot. You knew. I wasn't surprised by the seven-point possession because it was the Jazz as a dog. Of course, something like that crazy happens when the Jazz jazz are dogs. We're going to have to go into a bit of a rant in a second about the officiating last night because it was a bit absurd in both games. But either way, the point is Cleveland was in decent shape. Let's put it that way. And then Clarkson scores seven points in ten seconds. And you end up just losing. You go from basically being up three to down four immediately, and the game was over. So my main rant's going to be about the officiating last night, but I'll let you go first on if you had any takeaways. But you're right. Utah at home as a dog. I know that's the role. But it seemed like the referees really had a big impact, especially on the TV games last night. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But for the most part, I don't even know. I, I've always thought – I think we all think the officiating is spotty at best, but a lot of human error goes into it, and I'm, I am I think the refs sucks, and I think the refs need to start getting fined for when they get called, when they have bad calls or when – like some type of repercussion to ensure that they at least try to make that human error element as little as possible – that happened in the Euro League, I think. I think I think the Euro League the other day, it was either a playoff game or it was a regular season game. It actually involved Miritich, that former mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls NBA yeah. player. They missed a call in the final like 10 seconds. A guy, mm-hmm. Miritich went out of bounds, they didn't call it, and they let it play. They suspended the referee for four games. Yes. Do y'all know people, do y'all understand how much refs get paid to make bad calls? Like Suspensions. I'm sorry, I need to put some Vaseline. It's all good. This was a little shot. I had to make sure I got that right. 
But yeah, I saw that the other day. Uh, go and to I, uh, youtube.com slash NBA Gimlin Podcast to see me apply chat stick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Usually that costs extra. So you Yeah, know. yeah. Usually it does, but we'll give it to you for free. Uh, as I was saying, yeah, start finding suspension. Like, these reps are getting paid, like, paid money to make bad calls like that. So, granted, I never complain when a bad call goes my way because I know there's too many times that a bad call actually screws me. So if it goes my way, I'm like, hey, this is pay- this is you know the gambling guys doing some justice for me. But that three by Jordan Clarkson, I didn't think was a foul. I think that was the exact point of emphasis that they made over the offseason of saying that hey, when players stop and back into a defender that's right behind them, that's not a foul. That's them initiating contact, and we're not calling that. I thought that that's what it was. And it just so happened to happen on a three-pointer and not a Trey Young floater. But it is what it is. I got the win. I got the dub. So I'm straight. I'm just not sure what Levert is supposed to do in this situation. Now, I get the argument is they need landing space. I get all that. But most of the time, the shooter is going to be landing forward compared to where the person shot the ball. Levert's mm-hmm. not even looking at Clarkson. He's contesting the shot, and then he's looking back towards the rim and then Clarkson lands basically on him or he's in his space, and you ended up seeing a flagrant out of it. I understand they're trying to protect the shooter after what happened with Kawhi and Zaza Pachulia. I get it. But the overreactions that you have in some sports, it's not the equivalent of the Buster Posey injury in baseball, but you get my point. They changed the entire rule because of one injury to a star player. I don't know what Levert is supposed to do there. Now, fouling Clarkson on the next three-pointer is hilarious, but that's a separate story. I just don't know what that rule actually truly does. Like, I don't think the players, the defensive players, actively trying to hurt the shooter. I don't know how you're supposed to contest Jordan Clarkson, who's six foot five, six foot six, from shooting or making a jumper unless you jump into him and you try to block the shot. And then if that happens and he lands on you, then you get th- three free throws. And well, in this case, he got one because he made the shot to turn into an and one. I don't know what Levert is supposed to do. And we didn't even talk about the Miami game where you had the Heat missing a bunch of guys, and they attempted 40 free throws. They went 40 for 40 on national TV. I think that's insane. I think to have 40 free throws in a game is insane. I mean, Butler I, I don't think that's I don't think that's real basketball. Yeah, Jimmy Butler is insane. That is this is a hundred percent uh David Fisdale data rant. Like, I don't think that that is basketball. There's no way that they fouled you that much. You got to the line that much 40 times. Yes, the 40-40 is amazing, but 40 times you got to the line. 23. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Butler got to the line more than the entire other team combined. He got to the line 23 times. But now the Heat made all their free throws, which is just, you know, crazy stuff. They won the game by one, so they needed every free throw. Is it a coincidence that the Heat potentially got robbed on a missed call against the Nets? And there were some comments about it. And then the next game, the Heat get 40 free throws? No, I think that that's definitely not a coincidence. I think that's definitely connected. But you have two games on TV, on TNT, and they both basically got decided by officiating. I I, I just don't – it's just not a good product. And you can make the argument, well, you know, if you want to avoid foul calls and stop fouling, 40 free throws – like no, that's a, so a seven good. point possession in the final two minutes in the other game. Like, why bother? You're you're wasting hours of your time just to watch the officials blow the game in the final couple minutes. It's just it's just not right for a fan of basketball. 
and Luca Luca said that playing overseas was much harder than playing in the NBA. This is what he was talking about. All right. Before we get into the slate for today, I got to talk to you about WinBet because they're the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You have so many things that you can do: live betting, in games, in game betting, the same game, build your bet, build your own bet parlays. You have everything you need. Plus, guess what? The NFL playoffs are here. NFL playoffs are here. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening at WinBet. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100. Get $100. Limited to state availability. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That is sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject change terms, conditions at winbet.com. Must be 20 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Playoff Challenge. For the NFL, winner will get $300 cash, $100 gift card to the SGPN merch store, and a $100 homage gift card. Homage is cool. Like, they have such a ton of, like, if you're one of them old heads, they have a whole bunch of throwback NFL gear, like official throwback NFL gear. You can check it out at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E. For all the contest details, go and enter in the SGPN app. All right. Enough of talking about these refs. Let's get into today's actual slate of basketball. And we have the Minnesota Timberwolves going to play the Detroit Pistons. Pistons are catching seven at home. 229 and a half is the total. Injury report for these two teams, and we have for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Looks like Anthony Edwards is questionable. Wendell Moore is out. Going over to the Pistons, you have, well, you don't know what you have because. They played last night. Absolutely got train rolled by the 76ers. 147 points? Yeah. I thought they were going to put up a better fight. I thought this was going to be one of those spots where everybody's out and then the dog somehow randomly covers. Similar to the Nets when everybody was out for the Nets. Yeah. All all three of us with Munaf, Delonte, and I were on the Sixers just because Detroit benched half their team and they stink anyway. But that was rough. Shout, yeah, out to no. Har- shout out to Harden, though. Back-to-back double, back-to-back triple doubles against the same team. Yeah, okay. Bogdan, uh, Bojan Duran did not play yesterday. They could play today with this being a back-to-back. We'll see. Isaiah Stewart was a uh, – I think it was like 30 minutes before the game last night that they came out and said Isaiah Stewart wasn't playing. So he was questionable for majority of the day. Ended up being a, a late-game scratch. All right. Minnesota's laying seven on the road. Yeah, I don't. Been, I don't know how many times lately, though. I don't know how many times we've had them in this spot, but laying seven on the road is something that you don't see from them often. Uh, let's see here. These two teams played once this year already, where the Pistons got a win in Minnesota, one sixteen to one oh seven, as a seven point favorite. I mean, as a seven point dog. Last ten games. 
Minnesota five and five against the spread, four and six straight up, but three and seven against the spread for Detroit and three and seven straight up. It's really a, really a bunch of red. Nothing good to see in this matchup. Minnesota eight and twelve as a dog, eight ten and one at home. For Minnesota eight and twelve as a away on the road. I'm sorry, eight ten and one for Detroit at home. I mean. Are you back in Detroit coming off a of bat bat? I feel like it was well, right now. You don't know who's going to play for Detroit. And I'm not saying the roster is good, but when they're missing Boyan, Duran, and Stewart, they might as well not show up to the arena. Like the, that's one of the worst teams in the league we saw yesterday against the Sixers. I think I am an only to Minnesota. This team has won four straight. Now, I'm not saying this team is good, but they have played better. Uh, they beat Denver, beat Portland, beat the Clippers, beat Utah. I mean, no, not Utah, sorry, beat Houston. The Houston win doesn't mean anything. Houston sucks, but they won by eight points. They won at home, once again, Clippers, Trailblazers, and Nuggets. Now, I know that the Clippers and Trailblazers have kind of fallen apart. Still pretty good wins on paper, and the mm -hmm. Denver win was very impressive. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're starting to figure a couple of things out. They're still a long way away. I'm not telling you that they're fixed, but the fact is they've been playing some good basketball. Detroit is 11-33. and 33. They are a horrible team. They're currently in first place for the Wemby sweepstakes. But you're looking at the recent losses. They only lose in blowout fashion. I'm going to read <laughs> off the margins of loss by the Pistons. These are the last couple of losses they've had. They lost by 31, lost by 12. Lost by 12, lost by 29, lost by 14, lost by 11, lost by 25, lost by 20, lost by 15, lost by 3. So if you look at every game since that Nets game at home, that means that each of their last nine losses have been by double digits. They don't keep games close. I'm going to mm -hmm. lean to Minnesota. Uh, I can't take Detroit without knowing who's playing. Yeah, at this point, after what I saw last night, is hard to take Detroit not knowing who's playing. But, I mean, nine straight games you've lost by basically twelve plus points. You're not even close on the scoreboard in these games. But I don't think that there's that big of a gap between how Minnesota has been playing and Detroit when they're at full strength. I don't think it's that big of a gap. But I'm not taking that chance if Detroit's missing people. Not not tonight. Uh, and it's also a mix of I can't tell if Detroit's actually you know trying to balance it out with the back and back with some of the starters, mm -hmm. or you know, like you have calf soreness for Boyan, which could be an issue for a week or two. Mm -hmm. You're also once again 11 and 33. It's not like your team's actively trying to win games at this point. You could just be milking some injuries for a couple of games to punt games. Like, you can't yeah. tell. Yeah. Uh, there's no way I'm betting this game. But if I had to take – I'm going to take the home dog and take seven points with Detroit at home. I'm not going to bet it either, but I'll lean Minnesota. Yeah, that, that's an ugly one. Total sitting at 229.5, like – I mean, I don't know who's playing for Detroit. I just <sighs> doesn't doesn't matter. They gave up 147 last night. Like, I, I just don't know if Detroit can actually get stops. And Minnesota offensively, I do want to know if Anthony Edwards is playing. He's questionable. I believe he was questionable last game, and he played anyway. But I guess the question is, do you have even at full strength? Do you really have much faith in Detroit's defense? Because it is really no. horrible. 
No. But I don't think Minnesota's offense. Minnesota has been a better scoring team recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. At this point, I guess the total's come down low enough where we can come back on over. So maybe a slight lane to the over. But I don't even have a fun play in that one either. I, no, I really but... don't like this game. It, it feels like Rudy Gobert should clean up in this game. But you know how he do. He should. I mean, if you want to look at Detroit's defense recently, they've allowed at least 119 points in each of their last five games. Uh, they did play against Minnesota a couple weeks ago, so it was actually a relatively recent meeting that, as you mentioned before, Detroit won. But with Detroit potentially missing half their team again on a back-to-back after giving up 147 points, I think I have to lean to the over. I, I just don't think Minnesota is really going to struggle that much offensively because Detroit is that bad at guarding everybody. So I'll go with the over. All right. Next game on the slate, we have still in the 7 o'clock Eastern slate. Chicago Bulls going to Washington, D.C. to play the Washington Wizards. Minus one and a half for the Bulls. 229 and a half is the total for injury report for the Bulls. DeMar DeRozan is questionable. Alex Caruso is probable with that ankle injury. Tony Bradley is out. And for the Washington Wizards, Chris Porzingis is questionable. Daniel Gafford's questionable. Corey Kispert is questionable. Johnny Davis is out. You know you're not seeing Bradley Beal. Okay. So there is something going around that Chicago doesn't play well to competition, and they basically play the good teams very well and then suck against anybody under 500. Then the Wizards are giving them a bit of problems this year. They're splitting 1-1 right now, but each game was decided by uh, less than five points. So these games have been competitive. I don't know what to make of DeMar DeRozan being questionable because DeMar DeRozan is never on the injury report. I'm just going to pivot and assume Levine props are a full go because Levine's been cooking anyway, and now DeRozan might not be there. Uh, mm-hmm. Levine's going to get the green light of all green lights tonight. Like I could see him going for 35-40 based on shot volume. Maybe Vucevic has a good game, too. And I was thinking play. that. I was just looking at Vucevic like, man, Gafford and Porzingis are both questionable. But you've also seen Washington against good centers or big men, and they've gotten killed the entire season. Like Giannis went for a career-high 55. Mm-hmm. We saw AD go for 50-plus. Now, I'm not comparing Vucevic to those guys, but I still want to point out even with Gafford and Porzingis, defensively, they've been kind of horrible in the paint against really good or even offensively talented centers. So Vucevic might have a big game, but Levine has been really, really good the last couple of games. I think he's in line for a pretty big stat line here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the Wizards, man. I'm, I'm taking the Wizards. Catching one and a half at home. I know they opened up as a as a favorite. Opened up as a favorite in the line shift in Chicago. I think that's just heavy money coming on Chicago with how Chicago's been playing. And I got to give it to them. Chicago's been playing really, really well recently. Won three of the last five. Covered that last game magically at the last second against Boston. Wait, who do you, who do you see as a favorite? I see Chicago as a favorite. I see Washington as a one and a half point favorite. Uh Let's see. Let's open up this view a little bit more. That's we why have, I was curious. I see Washington being favored in the book. Uh, yeah, I see 
here's a book Chicago one and a half, Chicago one and a half, Chicago minus one and a half, Chicago minus one, Chicago minus one. Oh, we got a yeah, there's a couple okay, so, of Washington so it's a, here. It's a split line, yeah, it's that, a split. Yeah, the, fact the most part, Washington, I see most yeah. of it, most of the money, not money, but most of the books have Chicago as a one, one and a half point favorite. But the fact is, since you have seen a couple of books with Washington being favored, I think that increases the chance of DeRosa not playing, correct? Yes, I think it does. I, I'm almost positive that's what that means. And if that is what it means, there I don't think Chicago has what it takes to just handle business against the Wizards. I really and Washington's don't. been close with them being at full strength in previous games. Now, we don't have player props. Once again, I think my main play would be Levine over in points if DeRozan's out. Levine threes. We've seen him hit a bunch of threes recently. That would be my main pivot. Vucevic, maybe, if you want to go for another pivot as well. But it's really tough to take Chicago in this game with DeRozan being out just because of how valuable he is, especially late in games. And I think this game will be very close. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're losing your big shot maker, the guy leading the league in clutch points, I think is going to hurt down the So is he is he like a leader for the clutch award? Is he like? Uh, does that make him a leader? Like, what goes into that? Award? I still haven't figured that out. I got to figure made, out. They made up an award. award. I mean, realistically, it, he should get it. But you look at the buzzer beaters that Shea has had. It probably would go to Shea right now. It's probably go to guess. Shea just because they feel like they got to give Shea something. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to win most improved, right? I would hope so. He's like I, minus. He's he's a minus. Price I think Shea should money. be a starter in the All Star. If I had an All Star vote, I would vote him to be a starting guard. I just he should be. He, he should be a starter, but he's not going to be with no. Steph and Luca. But he really should be. I think I would. I think because Steph missed some time, I would probably bump Steph. Yeah, but Shea misses a little bit of time too, so I don't know. I have to reevaluate that. I feel like he should be a starter. They should start three guards. All right. Uh, let's see here. Who was I just talking about props before? Well, we said Vucevic and DeRozan. Oh, uh, Hachimara. Rui Hachimara. Just going through some of his past game logs against the Bulls. 12 and 4, 21 and 4, 19 and 10, 17 and 5, 10 and 8, 20 and 4. He, he does pretty decently and he's shooting these at pretty high percentage. I expect his volume to go up this game if Porzingis is out, even if Gafford's out, he may end up getting thrust into that starting lineup if both of those guys are out. 44.4%, 80%, 53%, 62%, 50%, 58%. I mean, we just know this Bulls team never to have any rim protection. And so I think that this is an opportunity where Ruhachimaro coming off the bench in the lineup, I think that he can get enough volume where he can be an X factor and an additional level of scoring that this Washington team is really going to need. So, yeah, I'll take Hachimara over points. I don't know what that's sitting at, though. I'm trying to find a prop. It might. Yeah, not you're not going to find anything with DeRozan and everyone being questionable. But yeah. assuming Washington is also missing some of the guys in the front court, Hachimura should get a boost in minutes. Yeah, I think so. All right. Next game on the slate. Let's talk about who do we want to talk about next. The... Milwaukee Bucks going to Atlanta to play the Atlanta Hawks, laying two and a half on the road are the Bucks. Two thirty-six and a half is the total injury report for these two teams. And you have Chris Middleton is out, and Serge Ibaka is out for the Hawks. You have Clint Capella who is still out with the calf injury. 
these two teams met up in Atlanta already this season, but I believe they've already played three times this season. Yes. Yeah. yeah, three. These two teams have played three times this season already. First meeting went 123-115 in Milwaukee to the Milwaukee Bucks. The last two meetings went to Atlanta, 117-98 and 121-106, with Atlanta as a five-and-a-half and, and four-point dog in both of those games, one in Milwaukee, one in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta gets up from Milwaukee. They've won mm-hmm. regular season. They've won four of the last five matchups against this team. Are you taking them at home here? I actually am. Uh, I think this line is short for a reason. I believe it opened to three. Now it's down mm-hmm. to two and a half in most spots. I'm going to take Atlanta. Excuse me. Um, Milwaukee is the better team. Uh, they had a win against the Knicks, which was a come from behind win. I believe they were down 17 in that game. I know Drew Holiday is a great defensive player. I get mm-hmm. all that. But Brunson scored 40 plus points. Like I, I think Young could really have a field day in this matchup. And historically speaking, he's done very well against Milwaukee. Now, Capella being out hurts, especially on the boards, because Milwaukee should feast on the glass. But the fact that Atlanta has been this good against Milwaukee in previous years, including this year, I just think that it's a good spot for Atlanta. They had a nice win there against the Clippers last time out. They punted a massive lead, but they rallied afterwards, and they won the game. I'm hoping that carries over into this home game. I'll go with Atlanta. I'm not saying this team's good. I've faded this team for the last month and change, and I've made a decent amount of money. But I think it's a good spot for Atlanta, and I think this line's very trappy. I'll take Atlanta on the money line. Oh, man. But Capella being out does suck for this matchup. Yeah, and that's really what it is for me. What is What are they going to do about Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis? I don't think they have anybody size-wise, that can match up with any of those guys. They don't. They need Collins to have a a massive game on the glass, and that's going to be a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and just on the glass, defensively, I just don't know how you're stopping anything that they can get on the inside. I want to go Atlanta here. I really do, but I think Clint Capella, just being the big body he is and just taking up space means a lot. Like, What's stopping them from just tossing the ball inside all game? I'm trying to sit here and look. I mean, I know Okongwu is strong. Collins stronger. Like, these are two strong guys that where they give up a lot in size, they have a lot in strength to battle against the bigger guys. But you're talking about three mm-hmm. huge guys that get a lot of minutes, and they're heavy in the rotation. And, and a lot of rebounds. Yeah, a lot of rebounds, a lot of offensive identity in terms of they feed the ball to those guys when they have mm-hmm. the matchup. It's not like that they're just there and they say, all right, we're running the offense through Giannis, we're running the offense through Drew Holiday. No, if they if Bobby Portis has a matchup, they have no problem feeding him the ball and letting him get to 20, 25-plus points. I get I just can't get over the fact that Capello was basically ruled out yesterday. It was, it was common knowledge he was going to miss this game, and yet the line's dropped. Like that I can't really comprehend based on everything you just said. Everybody's betting Atlanta. I that's get it. Everybody's betting. I, I, I just think that's weird, isn't it? Like you just mentioned the main mismatch that Milwaukee has, and your money's still coming in on Atlanta. I think I'm going to stick with Atlanta. I'm concerned that's public money coming in. I see that it says some sharp money is in on Atlanta too. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I never go against that. That is. I'll reluctantly take Atlanta plus two and a half, but I 
I think that my prop in this game is I'm just going to take Bobby Portis over points. Bobby Portis for a double-double. I think Bobby Portis has a game today. I, I truly don't think anybody can stop him. He's athletic enough where Collins and O'Connell are going to have an issue trying to uh, stay in front of him. But I, I, I just think that he's going to clean up on the glass, get a lot of easy rebounds, a lot of putbacks. It's going to be easy work a little bit. So, yeah, I, I like Bobby Portis in this game. Bobby Portis, I think Brooke Lopez probably has one of those crazy block games too with the fact that Atlanta can't shoot and they try to drive everything inside. Uh, Brooke Lopez probably has like four or five blocks in this game. I can see that. All right. Anything else for you? Well, total sitting here at what is it sitting at? Two thirty-six and a half. Uh I think I'm gonna lean under. In fact, I think I have to go under. Uh, you're looking at the games this season. First game landed two thirty-eight. Okay. Second game landed two fifteen. Third game landed two twenty-seven. So the last two games really haven't been close. And you mentioned Milwaukee dominating with the size. That is definitely true. But that also should potentially limit Atlanta's second chance points because they might mm-hmm. be able to force Atlanta into a bunch of one-and-dones. You're looking at Atlanta's last couple of games. They've been relatively high-scoring. But defensively, they found something against the Clippers, only gave up 108 points. Uh, Milwaukee defensively, besides the awful game against Charlotte, has actually been decent defensively recently. This total for me just seems too high. I'm going to take the under. All right. <sighs> for recent meetings, doesn't this total seem a little bit too high? Yeah, it does. But I don't – I mean, was this game recent? Was the last time they played recent? Uh, I believe they played a, a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, they played – uh, November. Yeah, they played a couple times in November, yeah. Yeah, November. Two times in November, one time in October. I think I'm still going over just because I truly have no idea how they're stopping any, how they're going to stop anything inside with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to get whatever they want inside. I think I'd rather take player props. Like I'd rather take Giannis over in points in the full game over because if Milwaukee scores 120, you know, Giannis is going to score at least like 35. Yeah. So just to run through some of these last games, Bobby Portis has 14 and 10, 11 and 10, 9 and 10, 23 and 15, 13 and 13. So that's five straight double doubles against the Atlanta Hawks, all in 2020. So if you just take Bobby Portis in 2022, not 2022, 20, 2022, you take Bobby Portis in 2022, and he has 13, 13, 23 and 15, 9 and 10, 11 and 10, 14 and 10. It's a pretty good year against one team. It is. Running back to Brooke Lopez, 12 and 5, 11 and 2, 21 and 6, 11 and 1. And last three games, he didn't record a block last game, but he has 2, 2, and 3. So I think I feel pretty decent about that. It's probably sitting at 2.5, knowing Brooke Lopez. It's probably at 2.5, but I think that's still pretty decent for. I don't think this team is going to be jump shooting at all. They're going to try to get everything up close at the rim, and I think they're going to get rejected. Lopez, two and a half blocks. The overs plus 155. T-Rock3 says that the Bucks are 13-6 and six to the under on the road. Nice call there. 
That yeah. is a good stat. That is a very good stat. I'm still leaning under anyway. But public heavy on Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly on Atlanta because of that, but that's why it's um, kind of a trap line for me. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking does, at the fact is. that money's obviously on Milwaukee from the public. They see Giannis, they see everything Terrell said and Capella being out and how Milwaukee should win this game. But the fact is the line's dropped. So there's a bit of a sharp square divide or some type of trap situation going on. And yesterday, Munaf and I were right about the Clippers. We thought that line looked a bit sketchy, and the Clippers won the game. Luke even had a 40-piece, and the Clippers still dominated the game. So occasionally, if you just blindly look at some of these sketchy line moves and you kind of just fade the public in that perspective, you do quite well. I think this is one of those spots for me. That's why I'm going to take Atlanta. So... I'm just going back looking and looking at a detailed breakdown of this line opened up in minus one, got up all the way to three at one point, and now it's back at down at two and a half. It, every time it goes to three, it gets back, back down two and a half. It doesn't stay at three long. And now it's sitting, yeah, two and a half, three again, as early as 11, 18. So from the time of recording, you can make that. Yeah, every single time that I'm watching this line movement, every time it goes three, it gets bet bet down two and a half. So, all right. I mean, it's Atlanta as a home dog. You really can't feel too bad about that spot. Like, you normally just take them as a home dog. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Next game on the slate. That was a lot of time we spent on that one. But I feel like that was necessary. We had to talk that one out. I might same game parlay that one. Give me a good win, build your own bet in that game. The Indianapolis Pate, the Indiana Pacers. Wow, I'm thinking about the Colts. <laughs> the Indian, the Indiana Pacers are going to play the New York Knicks. Knicks are laying four and a half at home. Two twenty-seven and a half is the total. Injury report for these two teams that we have for the Pacers: Aaron Neesmith is questionable. CJ McConnell is questionable, and for the Knicks, RJ Barrett is questionable with that finger injury. Pacers are the best team against the spread in the league this year. At this point in the se- this far in the season, they are the best team. Knicks pretty good against spread as well, but Pacers are twenty five and sixteen against spread for the year, eight and two in their last ten games. The New York Knicks are twenty one eighteen and two against the spread, four and six in their last ten games, seven twelve and two at home. Talk about everybody showing up in Madison Square Garden to play the Knicks, giving the Knicks their best effort in that spot. Do we just take Indiana as a road dog? Indiana well, as an underdog? I do want to ask, uh, since the Knicks are 10 and 11 at home straight up, Indiana has not been great on the road, but if you look at how they've played lately, both teams have actually been pretty good, but the Knicks had that heartbreaking loss to Milwaukee. They blew a 17-point lead. How do you think the team responds? Do you think that they kind of just say we let Milwaukee off the hook, but we had them, so that should actually instill confidence? Or do you think that they're going to be a little bit annoyed and potentially no-show the game because they blew a game to Milwaukee they should have won? I think if they had a good coach, they'd probably be fired up for this game. So in other words, you think they're going to lay an egg? Uh, I I wouldn't say that they're going to lay an egg. I I don't think that goes into my handicap at all. And it's just more of... I think the Knicks are a better team, and I think this is a spot that they probably should still beat this Pacers team. However, 
the Pacers are scrapping, man. The Pacers are scrapping, and they, they make games close. And I'm trying to decide if I think that this is a game close enough where a couple free throws are either going to push us into covering range for the Knicks at a four-and-a-half-point spread, or are the Pacers going to get a free shot attempt and be able to come in and close this game, uh, cover this game late? So for me, I think I'm going to – I see heavy money on the Pacers for good reason. The Pacers have been cash cows this season. I don't blame anybody betting. Do you see if that's uh, like handle or are you talking about the amount of bets? No, it's it's uh it's handle. Fifty one percent of the bets, ninety one percent of the money on Indiana. I'm gonna lean Indiana anyway. This game really has a one possession feel to it, and you're gonna be getting basically two possessions at five. This is a Halliburton game, right? In MSG. I, I, I oh just... yeah, dude did say dude was in New York when he said that. Oh, you gotta play Halliburton tonight. That was a definitely a New York broadcaster that said that. Was it? Yeah, it was Zerbiak. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to go crazy tonight. Has Hallie Halliburton had his garden moment yet? I don't think so, but... Um, not, it's okay. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> you can keep talking. I'm going to tell you if he's had his garden moment yet. I was going to say, it's going to be tough for him to have the moment because he was kind of with Fox for a couple years, and he had a double-double against the Knicks in the first meeting, but that was in Indiana. So He has... 21 and 8 in Madison Square Garden. That was with, with Sacramento. And he has 17 and 4. That is also in Sacramento. So he hasn't played in New York. Oh, yeah. Well, Halliburton is like, why would you not go off? Why would should, you not really go off? Yeah. <laughs> like, you absolutely would. Oh, man. Damn. I was just about to. Okay. So, of course, I'm still taking Knicks first half for sure. That's yeah, still happening. That's a given. Yeah, that's a given. But I am going to come back in on the Pacers and that the Knicks disappoint me in the second half. And Howley just has to go off. Like, you have you have to go out here and drop 40 in the garden because of that. A fake-ass all-star. There's also, all-star. And it, there's also an interesting uh, kind of trend here with uh, Miles Turner against the Knicks. I'm going to mention it because his player props around like 14 and a half or 15 and a half. And I know he's been doing well offensively lately. If you look at how he's done against the Knicks recently, he's kind of been put in a box by Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw it out there. He's played at least 32 minutes in each of the last four meetings against the Knicks. He scored less than seven points in three of the last four games. He had 22 in the one exception, so he went nuts in one game. But his player props are around like 15.5, 14.5, and I get it because he's been going for 17-plus recently. Mitchell Robinson's been really, really good at guarding him in the past, so just keep an eye on that. I mean, let's, I, I'm with it. I'm always with a spot like that, and fate in Miles Turner, who – it seems whenever we bet on him, he decides to lay an egg. He might just be- saying though, he scored less than seven points in three of the last four meetings. So I, I think he could be in line for a bad game because Mitchell Robinson is really a good defender that's fit to guard him because he's a hyper athletic guy. You can contest shots and he rebounds well. So what do you see to his prop at? Uh, I saw his prop. It was fourteen and a half last night at juice to the over. So I wasn't sure if it moved up or not. But 14F seems a little bit low for a guy who's basically been walking into 17 for the last couple of games. I let think me, it's low for so a reason. Let me, let me throw this at you and see if we can make this an official play. Okay. 
Last seven games, New York Knicks are first in the NBA with opponent points to the center position at 14.72 points. Okay. I still see 14 and a half, by the way. So, so I'm, they, I, I like Turner under. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I can actually bet that. I will actually bet that. That feels like a good play. Especially if we're getting 20. yeah, if we're getting plus money on the under, absolutely. I think that that's the spot. And then you just just think about this Knicks rotation and you have Mitchell Robinson, then you have some combination and or of Hartstein and Jericho Sims. Mm-hmm. So you, you got bodies in front of him. He's not gonna just be going up there getting easy rebounds, getting pump backs. So yeah. Turner hates rebounding anyway. He does. He does. So. All right. That was a nice play, Scott. I like that one. We're both on Indiana. Total sitting here at 227 and a half. It's come down from 229. So I think I'm going to take the under in this one. Knicks have been playing really good defensively. Mm-hmm. They are. I mean, I mean, the issue they still run into is the same issue they've always had with Thibodeau, which is late game offensive execution. Yeah. That doesn't change. Now, I'm not saying Randall's going to go one for 12 from three again, but they don't run good offensive sets like ever. And Brunson took over the game. Like Brunson at 40, what do you have, 44, 45? Yep. yep. Career and they high. Still, and they still scored 107? You assume if Brunson scores 44, they're probably going to score 115 points, 120 points. The Knicks have such a ceiling of how good they can be. And yeah. that's my that's another reason why we kind of slightly lead to Indiana. The Knicks have a ceiling of how good they can be. I think Indiana, when they play all the, like, when they play all the way right, they – I'm not going to sit here and say they're one of the best teams in the league, but for a night, they can look like one of the best teams in the league. It's also the coaching mismatch. I think we both agree. I've given Carlisle a lot of, a oh, lot of shit. I sh- you know I years. shit on Carlisle. I, I do it all the time, but this year he's done a very good job. Yeah, I'll give him credit for what he's done. Thibodeau, we know we don't exactly like. Now, I see Franchise mentioning Randall threes. I can't disagree with it because even though he went one for 12, he attempted 12 three-pointers while only making one. So you know the volume will be there. Plus, with uh, with Barrett being out, Randall's shot the ball a lot more. But yeah, if Barrett is out, then I'll, I'll back that play. But if not, then I can see him realizing, shit, I went one for 12, and I'm still in the garden. I'm not going to shoot that much. All right. Next game on the slate, we have... The New Orleans Pelicans traveling to Boston to play the Boston Celtics. Celtics are laying nine and a half. 231 and a half is the total injury report for these two teams. And we have for the Pelicans, Herb Jones is doubtful. Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, you know you're not seeing them. And for the Boston Celtics, Marcus Smart is questionable. Robert Williams injury re... (laughs) They just find different ways to say this. Robert Williams is questionable. All right. That was funny. We're sitting here, and we talk about, we th- well, I talk about it at least, that I think that the Pelicans can do all right holding their own without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson because they have all of their top defenders. Their best defender is probably not playing in this game. Yeah. It is there any case for the Pelicans keeping this one close? The only case you'd have is everyone's expecting Boston to roll, so they're not going to. 
which I feel like you were setting me up for an alley-oop there because I feel like that was the case you were about to make. <laughs> but I watched that Boston game or the fourth quarter against Chicago, and that game was a blowout. Then Levine took over the fourth, and Boston's offense shut down. Mm-hmm. And then you saw Grant Williams and Horford hit a couple of big threes down the stretch, and they won by eight. So they were winning most of the game comfortably. Then the game got close, and they closed it out in the end. So Boston, I didn't think it looked overly impressive, but they did enough to win the game. It's really tough for the Pelicans when you're against not just one, but two elite scoring wings, and you might be without your best defensive player. It's really rough. Yeah. McCollum is really the only offensive threat for this team, unless Valanciunas goes Only consistent. Yeah, Yeah. only consistent. I can't sit here and and say consistently that anybody else is going to go off besides CJ. So, So. and even CJ is not guaranteed if you just assume Boston really just hones in on stopping him. Marcus Smart comes in, plays really good defense on them. They're going to make the paint is going to be if the questionables play for Boston, which is Marcus Smart and Robert Williams. I really don't think New Orleans has a chance. I'm I'm going with Boston. Boston, I feel like this is a game at home in the second game of a home stretch after you just came back from being on the road for so long. And you just played the Bulls. Now you have New Orleans coming to town. You're kind of chilling. I think this is a game where Boston just puts on a clinic. I think they will, too. And yeah, even though the Pelicans are shorthanded, they're still viewed highly. So you can make an, you can make a case from in a locker room that this is a, an important statement game or whatever the hell that means against basically a G League, not a G League squad, but a, a, C, a C squad for this team. I'll go with the Celtics. I think that with the amount of offensive limitations New Orleans has and with potentially them missing their best wing defender, it's really rough. Uh, I'm going to go with Boston. Yeah. And even Valanciunas. Valanciunas has a good matchup on paper, but like, isn't he just going to be abused in pick-and-roll coverage on defense? Like, I I don't know if Valanciunas is going to even have a great spot in this game with Horford spreading out on the wing – Valanciunas commits a lot of fouls as it is. He really yeah. might end up in foul trouble, and you're totally screwed. I don't. I, I wouldn't play Valanciunas props. I wouldn't either. I, I think it's a. I don't think he's going to be in the. Op- yeah, like you said, it's going to be a lot of pick and roll, and I don't. I don't think he's going to be in a good position even to out. get rebounds. Like, yeah, defensively, he's not going to be in a good position to get rebounds. I think this is a clinic by Boston. I really do. I'm not going to bet it, though, because, of course, when everybody thinks Boston is going to do well, they don't. But I do think this is a clinic by Boston. Mm-hmm. 231 and a half is the totals. Come up two points already. And that's probably because of no Herb Jones. You expect Herb Jones not to play, so you expect Boston to go out there and score a bunch, which I do. Mm-hmm. Does New Orleans do their part? I think I feel comfortable in saying yeah. just take a New Orleans team total under. <laughs> that number's at 110 and a half. Uh, Boston's team total's at 120 and a half. I don't mind it, but I don't feel great about it. Like I, I try to really stay away from team totals in the 120s unless you have a Kings game against the Lakers or something, but... It's it's a number that I think is high for a good reason. I'd lean over, yeah. but I, I don't know if I can play either. I, I think I'd lean Pelicans team total under, but that Celtics number, I'd lean over. I think they probably get to like 125, but I don't think I have the courage to actually take it, you know? 
Yeah. Because uh, balls can okay. blow them out and they pull everybody and you're potentially dealing with backups in the fourth quarter. Yeah, if I had to make a play on a total, I would play New Orleans team total under. I, yeah. I think that's the, the better play. I just think defensively, this can it's going to be too much of a struggle for guys that aren't the starters. Like, at the end of the day, you're playing a lot of guys that aren't the starters. So. Mm. Okay. Next game in the slate, we have the San Antonio Spurs going to play the Memphis Grizzlies. This is the immediate rematch between these two teams. Grizzlies are laying 13 and a half, 238 and a half. Yeah. 238 and a half is the total injury report for these two teams. And we have for San Antonio Spurs, Kelton Johnson is questionable and Bates Stop is questionable. We have Jaws back. So. Ja is back, not on the injury report. And you know you're not going to see Brandon Clark. <sighs> Can you take away anything from the first meeting that they had to not Ja really. didn't play? Like, I don't not know what really. you can take away from that. Yeah, I, I just think that was a – it was a really touching spot. You know, Trey Jones, Tyus Jones went – Started against each other. Both had pretty good games, too. Mm-hmm. And Spurs kept it close. This line opened up at 14. It's down to 13 and a half. There is money on the Spurs early. I just... Ja kills the Spurs. Like, Ja kills mm-hmm. the Spurs. If Ja plays in this game, why do I not think they, they don't dub the Spurs in this spot at home? Especially after the first game was a little bit closer than they probably intended. Yeah, and Memphis is also at home. We know how good the crowd is at home. To go through the actual numbers here for Ja, uh, the last four games against the Spurs, 32-52-41-30. I just really think that if the Spurs were going to win a game outright, that last one was it. Now that now they're just going to get absolutely ran out of the building. I think they should. I'll give the Spurs some props, though, because on occasion they do kind of sneak in there and keep games close. Mm-hmm. I think I like Memphis first half. Like maybe there's a chance they get bored and the Spurs kind of just sneak in and make this game competitive down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But for the first 24, Memphis, I've I've praised Memphis's first half in uh, I'd say trends at home all season long. They're incredible in the first half of games at home. Mm-hmm. Memphis might just open up a 15 point lead at halftime, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I play that as well. All right, total sitting at 238 and a half. What are you doing here? I'm really not even sure, to be honest. Like, Memphis could score 130, but they could really put the clamps down in this game. We've also seen Memphis have a lot of high-scoring games early that absolutely die in the second half. That's kind of mm-hmm. been a common theme I've noticed in some of their games. I think I'm going to lean under and just hope the Spurs don't contribute enough. This number seems a little bit high, doesn't it? They pushed the 234 last time. Okay, and now you got job back. I, I'm, I just, you know, in these back-to-back spots, I tend to go to the under. Like, I tend to back the under. You have to ask me a lot yeah. to come back on an over in a back-to-back spot. Back-to-back and, is an immediate rematch, but yes. Yes, yes, an immediate rematch. At 20, getting four extra points, four and a half extra points. In a game where I do think San Antonio probably gets ran out the gym, yeah, give me the under, 238 and a half. Yeah, for props, of course, jaw like 30-plus points. Maybe if you want to go for a double-double, that's worth a look. I am looking at Jaron Jackson, potentially, but I'm not sure if he's actually going to get enough rebounds. 
historically has not been great against the Spurs. But his double-double props plus 440. Yeah, man, I just can't trust Triple J rebounding basketball. I can't either. But I'm just looking at plus 440. Like I suffered. That I feel like he doesn't game. get a fair shake. Well, he doesn't Adams get a fair shake every, at it because Adams he takes every rebound anyway. Yeah, and it's it's because he's out there. He's actually defending. Like Stephen Adams is not actively defending. He's just waiting for the ball to be a miss and get the rebound. But Triple J is actually like actively defending inside the paint. So he's either blocking something. He's either contesting something. Like he doesn't have the opportunity to just stand under the rim and get rebounds. So I I, I can never trust Triple J for a rebounds prop just because of that because you'll look and he'll have two rebounds for the game you're like but he'll have like five blocks yeah so that's a prop i like i like like his blocks but i gotta see what that price is it's probably Uh, at like three and a half (laughs) i'm gonna say if i had to guess i'd say juice two and a half uh juice two and a half minus 150 i would just i would try the same game parlay and bring that up to like four and then match it with mm-hmm. some Memphis first half, Memphis, some easy Memphis prop. All right. Let's see here. Anything else prop-wise that we have for this one? Uh, not really, unless you want to make a case for some spur to have a decent game. If Keldon's out, take a Vassell. Did Keldon play out, last game? Uh, let me check. I think well, Vassell's did. definitely not playing. He's out for a while. Yeah, sorry, but Vassell's out for a while. Keldon's questionable. But uh, let me. Keldon did not play in the last game. Okay. Yeah, so let's go. Let's back Keldon. Let's back Keldon Johnson tonight. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to go off of this team. He hasn't played the last two games. So if both of them are out, are you going to lean to like Trey Jones, who's actually had a decent run here with both those guys being out? I don't know if I want to back Trey Jones tonight, just because he's been spending time with his family for the past two days. Like their entire family is in Memphis, and they probably stayed for both of the games. So like, you could also argue it's a homecoming, a so he might just yeah, be yeah, yeah. You could, you very well could. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm good on Trey Jones today. All right. Just doesn't feel like a good, it feels like a spot everybody's backing, and it's just not going to be a good, good day for him. Okay. But maybe uh, Romeo Langford if he's out. Maybe Romeo Langford. All right. Houston Rockets are going to play the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. Kings are laying nine and a half at home. 238 is the total. Come down from 239 and a half. Injury report for these two teams that we have for the Rockets, Clay, and for the Kings. Did, did one of these teams play last night? Uh, both no. of these injury reports. What, both of these injury reports are clean. All right. Expect a full lineup in both of those teams. Nine and a half? Have we have we laid nine and a half this season with Sacramento? No. Have they gotten a number this high? In their defense, uh, this is the first meeting this season against the Rockets. So, in their defense, you know. But I mentioned before Detroit's in first place for Wemby. They're three up in the loss column. They're actually one behind in the win column. Houston's 10 and 30. They're four and 16 away. This team's garbage. They're absolute garbage. I'm, I saw Munaf in the chat box before. He can confirm everything I'm saying. They're a terrible team. They've lost seven straight. They have been competitive in a couple of these games, but not really. Uh, they lost at home to Minnesota by eight, lost to Utah by 17. And that's Utah on the road as a favorite, by the way, which is usually an auto fade 
and they stole one. Yeah, the that's game. like a that's that might be the worst loss of the season. Like on the road, Utah on the road, Utah is a favorite, and you didn't cover. Like that might be their worst loss of the season. They got killed. They lost to New Orleans by eleven. New Orleans missing half their team. Uh, lost to Dallas at home by five. Dallas is also terrible on the road. Lost to the Knicks at home by twenty. You can really go down the line. This team is just horribly coached. KPJ and Jalen Green take turns ball hogging. Mostly Kevin Porter Jr., who I think might be the biggest ball hog in the league. Uh, he's got talent. He just is a stats first, me, me, me guy, and he's not a good team player. But I think Sacramento beats the crap out of him. Like, Houston isn't a good rebounding team. You got Sabonis, who might be in line for a huge game. Fox has been really good. Is Houston guard, good at guarding the three? No. So Herter might have a good game as well. I'm gonna go with the Bean team. I'm gonna go with uh, minus nine and a half. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's actually a slogan for the team that should be that should belong on some like fancy jersey. The Bean team that should be a thing for Sacramento. I'm gonna patent that now or copyright yeah. it. But I'm gonna go with Sacramento here. Houston on the road. They're four and sixteen. I want nothing to do with the Rockets. Oh. Okay. I like the team total over for Sacramento though. Like I think Sacramento is probably going to score 130. Houston doesn't even try to play defense. So I think that I think they do. I, I th- the only case I can make is that Sacramento is abysmal in guarding inside the paint. They give up 56 points per game in the last 5 inside the paint. That is 25th in NBA. Uh However, and the Rockets are actually good guarding inside the paint. They have the fourth best, fourth best number during that same span at 45.2 points per game. And if you look on the other side of the ball, that is inverse. The uh, Rockets are actually terrible getting inside and scoring baskets inside because they, one, they shoot a terrible uh, shooting percentage. Two, they have very, very bad basketball IQ when taking their shots, so they settle for a lot of jump shots when they probably don't need to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to think too hard. <sighs> I don't we, think Houston's smart enough to actually exploit any mismatches they have. You know that KPJ and Jalen Green are just going to ISO the entire game. They are so painful to watch, by the way. It's yeah, like watching Jalen. It's like watching like throwback videos of Julian Newman. It's rough. It's really rough. For basketball purists out there, if you remember Julian Newman, I'm assuming you remember. Yeah, no, no, I do, I do. I, it's I the was, same vibe. I I just cashed my over half a Julian Newman reference on this podcast ticket. I had put it in right before the game, just as a flyer. It was like a hundred to one, and I just sprinkled a little bit on it because it was a hundred to one. I didn't know when you we were going to cash. You that know the real, exact so. dribble move and compilation that I'm like visualizing in my head right now. You know the exact like video that I'm thinking of right now. Uh, where am I? I'm I'm trying to find a way to back the Kings in this game where I feel comfortable because I do think this is a Kings game. I don't feel comfortable laying nine and a half with the Kings. Uh, Team total. Maybe. It... Okay, here. Let's see here. This is my last chance where I am going to find an angle to back the Kings. And I can't even do that because the Kings aren't even that good at home to cover the first half spread for the most part. Uh, five and five in their last 10 games at home. 
I mean, I will say, even though they lost to the Lakers, they have scored at least 130 po- 34 points in each of their last two games. Yeah. I guess the same total is the way to go. That's kind of what my main look is. Now, Not as I said before, so I said before, I don't feel great about taking team totals that are in the 120s with the exception of basically Kings games or maybe if the Lakers are involved. It's 124 and a half. It's massive. I'm not going to pretend it's not massive. But I think I am going to lean to the over. I'm going to – hell, I do not want to lay nine and a half with Sacramento. Like, they're 10 and nine as a favorite. I don't like them as a favorite. I don't like them. Do you want to take a player performance boost or something like Sabonis double-double and King's money? And that's how I would play it. That's how I would play it if I'm actually betting the game. There's no way I'm laying nine and a half. I'm finding some type of parlay, some type of way to boost the money line where I can get something plus money with a player prop. I'm not taking Sacramento to lay. Give me Houston plus nine and a half just because I don't trust Sacramento to lay double digits. Okay. Damn near double digits in this game. I'm they may win by double digits, it. but I'm I'm not trusting Sacramento. To do I'm going to fade Houston. I, this team is just <laughs> awful. In uh, Sacramento at home, they can score a bunch of points. I just don't think Houston's going to be able to keep up. I think they might be able to early on. They're going to get too ISO heavy, and it's, they're going to fall apart down the stretch. Sacramento, even though this team has flaws most on the defensive end, they really run a very just pretty style of basketball offensively. They have a really nice offensive system with Sabonis and with Fox and company. I think Houston's going to be lost. They're a terrible defense, especially in transition. They're a horrible transition defense team. I think the Kings exploit it. I, I think I think I like the over in this game. I think you have a track meet. Uh, I think you see a bunch of points, but uh, yeah, I like the over as well. I just if the Kings let the if the Kings let Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. do whatever they want, then they're screwed. They are screwed. There's no way they're covering this line. They Correct. Like My point is that Houston only has one way that they can actually keep up offensively. They need Porter Jr. and Jalen Green to be really, really good at the same time. But is that that hard to – like, if you're not guarding anything inside the paint, is it that hard to see that those two have a good game? Like, I don't think it's that hard to – I don't know, man. It would I, have I actually can't wait nine and a half. I can't lay – I can't lay – well, you know Kevin Porter Jr. is driving – uh, he's he's yeah, one of the best. He scores. He's per player. He's one of the best points in the paint. Well, has the most at on average points in the paint in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not the most, but one of the best players. It's really, Jalen Green, who I want to be more aggressive going to the rim. Like he's so athletic and he settles yeah. so many step back jumpers. Like just go to the rim. Like get some get some free throws. Somebody said that this team needs a veteran, and I agree. I can't remember who said it, but somebody did say that. I'm taking nine and a half with Houston. I know it's ugly. I'm not going to watch the game because if I watch the game, I'll be pissed off. But I feel pretty confident that Kings win by seven. I, I can't get past the uh, meme in my head that I saw on Twitter. It was the uh, it was the donkey from Shrek meme where like he's staring or whatever, and the uh, caption was Eric Gordon watching uh, the watching the ball get passed to uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. <laughs> just, just standing there while they're gonna dribble the ball for like, like, like frustrated. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't believe he's still on the team, but that's a separate story. There's a bunch of large spreads today. Like, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of large spreads today, and it's actually frustrating me that I'm on a couple of the favorites. I might have to change that by the end of the day. Phoenix Suns are going to play the Denver Nuggets on a back-to-back. Denver's laying 13, 227 and a half is the total. 
injury report for let's start with Denver. Bruce Brown is probable. Bones Highland is probable. Uh, that's about it. For the Suns, you have Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Landry Shamit, all TBD. We'll see what they do with them. They sat the first part of the back-to-back. And uh, <laughs> I'm weak. It says here that Landry Shamit begged to play on Tuesday, and Coach Williams wouldn't let him. <laughs> That's funny. So he may play today if he was begging. There's not many people that saw. Well, I said take the twelve, just because. I again, I was I was on the Pistons and I was on the Suns of just the day where everybody's out that the team some one team magically covers. I know we're about an hour in. We we actually did not even talk for a second about that game. What a, what a terrible loss for the Warriors last night. Let's just throw yeah. that out there. Like I'm not gonna spend much time on it because we should have done it at the beginning of the show. That's rough. That's really really bad. Yeah. That was that coast? A... Was that coast to coast? Yeah. It was a wire to wire win. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what to say for the word is that that was really bad. I mean, last year they lost to a shorthanded Pacers team at home and they still won the title. So it's not the end of the world. But no, no, it's by far not the end that's of the world. Really, really it was bad. definitely yeah, and maybe it was the fact that Steph came back, Wiggins was back. They had a rotation that they were working through for some games, and that kind of just got messed up and thrown back when you put both starters back in the lineup. People didn't get their their rhythm back. They had to readjust. I didn't expect to see a win. I thought that it would just be like a random Suns cover. I did not expect them to win outright. I will admit that. I want to say that you probably have a chance of seeing more of a full-strength Suns team here. Mostly be Aiton. I don't think Paul's going to play, and we know Booker's out for probably a month. So the question is Aiden. Denver should really want to put it on him. Denver should want to take this opportunity to beat the shit out of the Suns. It's also a great spot to fade Phoenix. They pull off a miraculous win based on expectations. You know, a lot of them had revenge games. Damian Lee had a good game like I thought he would last night. It was an emotional win against an arch rival, so to speak. And now you immediately travel to altitude on a back-to-back to face off against basically the one seed in the Western Conference. Like If, if Phoenix got buried by 20, I would not be surprised. Because you know emotionally, they probably put a lot of it into that war. And you feel, like, you feel like you stole a game that you probably shouldn't have. Like, yeah. I'm almost positive when they looked at these two games, they were like, all right, fine, we're cool. Like, we're going to go out here and try, but there's a good possibility that we're, we're going to drop these games and we're just going to let our guys get healthy. Mm. I don't think Chris Paul plays. I, I, I think Chris Paul's injury history is showing that they're being more cautious with him right now. And they won without him yesterday. <laughs> so there's no like immediate rush. Like the team actually looked decent. You might be able to. Yeah. Buy so you're like, that. Hey, maybe we can get another game like that. And mm. you don't. Hill, I don't want to lay 13 with a team. I don't either. Uh, and that's two to... teams. That's two teams. One of the 13 pluses are going to lose. No, they're not. But still, somebody's going <laughs> to. You just immediately called. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. Okay. <laughs> they're not going to lose. But right. somebody's not going to cover. Somebody's absolutely not going to cover. I think it would most likely be Denver just because this team, even though I acknowledge how good they are, they really play with their food and the effort level is not consistent enough for me to want to lay double digits with this team. Yeah, why like, Memphis... double digits with Denver? I know Memphis, when push comes to shove, they can bury you. I have not seen Denver bury enough teams. 
Uh, Jokic triple doubles plus 185. So I'm not even sure if that's worth it. Uh, I can't take Jokic points because he can have games where he only attempts five shots in the entire game. You just take Jokic assists and just hope he gets his teammates involved. You take Aaron Gordon points. Like I, I, I don't even know how to attack Denver in this game because Jokic can dominate the game in such a variety of ways. You know? Yeah, let's see. I'm just looking to see how they do. Well, they covered this number. They covered 11.5 against the Spurs. They covered 11.5 against Washington. They didn't cover 11.5 against Utah, but that's Utah as a dog, so I don't blame them. Was they Washington the game where they gave where they gave up like 130 points, but they scored like 140-something? Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they had given up 128 points, but they scored 141. They scored 99 points in the paint. I remember that game, so. They didn't cover the number against Detroit. Matter of fact, lost that game outright. Didn't cover 10.5 against Dallas. They covered, no, yeah, they didn't cover 10.5 against, well, they were getting 10.5, never mind. That's not what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, we can't lay that many points with Denver. I don't think I can. I, I really wanted to make a case for it, but I I, I want to. Maybe a maybe like a first half play or something, but I tried to I, set I can't the narrative in motion when I, we started the breakdown. But the more we talked about it, I, conceptually, I I can't do it with Denver. Yeah, I just okay. this is just out of principle. Like this is a pure principle play that you don't lay this many points with the Nuggets. They care they don't more play about defense. winning games than winning by margin, and I think yeah. they'll win the game, but they don't care enough to win by a lot. All right. If I play it, I play it in the first half. And uh, now, yeah. I don't know if I like that either. Yeah. All right. We're just on the Suns. I, I'm sorry, what, guys. Uh, I tried. To, I, I tried to make a reason to every time I try. We're literally talking this out. I can't give an angle for how I think Denver really like legitimately covers this spread. I do uh, have one prop that I like. I'm actually going to pivot off of Jokic. It's going to be Aaron Gordon. And I'm going to take Aaron Gordon double double. Okay. How is this four to one? With no Aiton, potentially. Aiton potentially not playing, but Gordon's had 10-plus rebounds in three of the last four games. And against Phoenix, in particular, he's had a double-double in two of the last three games. Plus 400? Yeah. Really? Like, yeah, I, I think that's a great price. I took a flyer on Hart last night that fell just short, but he got the rebounds this might be a blowout, so maybe you have to be concerned about minutes, but Denver is not really good at blowing teams out besides mm-hmm. that one game against the Clippers. I think Gordon's got a good shot for a double-double. Four to one's a really nice price. If I had to play somebody, I'm playing Landry Shamit. I'm taking a guy that said he was begging the night before to play and wasn't allowed to play. He also and, had like 30 on the Christmas. Yeah, he had 30 on Christmas when he came in relief for Devin Booker. So I'll take Landry Shamit. Maybe a spot on his threes or points. I just, I don't think, I think Denver's going through a very, very good stretch right now, but I don't think conceptually that they are a defensive-minded team or even remotely good at defense. I, I'm i still, I'm still fating them. I think they'll give up a bunch of points to anybody. So, yeah. all right. Before we get to our lock and dog, I have to talk to you about underdog fantasy because you can play in the playoff best ball contest. It's a gauntlet with a million dollars in prizes up for grabs. And 
they have to have done a ton, a ton of daily games for the NBA, for the NHL. If that's what you into, if that tickles your fancy, as some of the people in the network might say. Promo code SGPN at underdogfantasy.com and that'll get you a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That is underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And we are also giving away. What are we giving away? We're having a bingo giveaway. We're having a bingo giveaway. And all you have to do is subscribe to the podcast, NBA Gambling Podcast, YouTube page, youtube.com slash NBA Gambling Podcast. Click the sign up link in the app, and you will exclusively get a bingo card where it'll have different props from all the MLK Day games going on. And if you get a bingo, you will win a prize. Get all the links and everything you need exclusively on the SGPN app. All right, let's get through this, Scott. Lock and dog. There's a lot of people laying a lot of points in association today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go for my lock. Give me the Wizards minus one. This is this is just telling me that DeRozan is not playing, and the Wizards play his team tough. Wizards are due for a win. For my dog, I will go with ill. I didn't really like a lot of dogs today. You going Pacers? Uh... No, I don't think I want to go Pacers. Atlanta's not juicy enough of a dog for me. I guess I got to call my shot on Houston or Detroit. Or you could take some type of player prop. Yeah, I could take like a prayer prop. Or... Let's go with what are the odds that Denver actually blows this game? Uh I according to the odds plus six twenty-five. But in, 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 in reality, <laughs> okay. in reality uh, it would not totally surprise me because I've seen it Denver have a couple of these games before. It wouldn't. Is Phoenix can Phoenix put together two wins in a row like that? Maybe. Who knows? Everyone's counting them out. Screw it. I don't hate it. I'll tell you that much. It might look really bad early on, but if Phoenix hangs around, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, why not? I, I, I need a dog. I need a dog that I feel comfortable in. I don't feel comfortable. All right, let's go with... Ew. All right. No. All right, Bobby, I'm going back to Bobby Portis. I, I can't find a side. I wanted to give you guys a side so bad. And one of those huge, there's a lot of huge dogs. And I feel like two of them are going to cash outright. And I'm going to be pissed that I didn't give it out. But I'm going back to Bobby Portis because Bobby Portis has like five double doubles against this team. And his double double price is sitting at, do I have a price for that already? Let's see here. I didn't see it listed because he's a a bench player, so I didn't see it listed. Yeah. It's going to be plus money. I know for a fact it's going to be plus money whenever it does come out. So whenever it comes out, Bobby Portis, 
we'll get on whatever that price is later. But he's going to be plus money by the, by the point that it comes out. So I'll take Bobby Portis for a double double night. Okay. Uh, for me, what exactly do I want to do here? Because I had a choice if I wanted to go for a juicy player prop, like in terms, it was minus 150, but I don't know if that's actually, it was Aaron Gordon rebounds at six and a half, but I don't know if I actually want to take that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go back to that Hawks-Bucks game. I'm going to go ahead and take Trey over 26 and a half points at minus 130. Uh, the volume has been large recently. The points have been there. To go through the numbers, he's had at least 29 points in four of four of the last five games. And against mm-hmm. Milwaukee, he's been really good. He's had at least 27 points in four of his last five games against Milwaukee. Now, Drew Holiday might guard him, but Brunson just dropped 40-something on his head. So I think Trey's got a decent matchup here. Plus, the total's high. The spread's close. I think it's all setting up for Trey to have a pretty good game. I believe it's at minus 130. It was minus 110 last night, so it has gone up about 20 cents. But I'm going to take Trey over 26 and a half points. I think it's a good spot for him. And for my dog, do I I don't know if I want to take two separate plays on Atlanta. Like that's kind of the tricky spot here. Um uh, what do I want to do? You know what? I'll go with the Pacers. I'll take the Pacers money line at plus 165. Uh, line has dropped half a point since the show started. But we're thinking Halliburton goes off. So we already have an MSG candidate in mind. Uh, the Knicks also, once again, struggling offensively late in games. I think they could fall apart here. And I think Carlisle's the better coach. I'll take the Knicks on the money. I'll take. I'll fade the Knicks. I'll take the Pacers money line at plus one sixty five as my dog. My bonus dog would be the Aaron Gordon double double at plus four hundred. I really like. Yeah, I'm so glad you gave a bonus dog because I was about to change my dog literally. Yeah, uh, Tyrese Halliburton thirty plus at plus six fifty. Okay. Yeah, feel really confident about that so let's just that's a bonus so you got a whole bunch of props you got a whole bunch of plus money stuff we just didn't come to a side god man i just know between houston between the suns because that's where i was going back and forth Somebody the suns are a that fun one. right the suns are a fun one like that that i can visualize like denver has a very close game and you're wondering what's happening you're like nope classic denver you yeah know? i just don't trust either of the favorites defensively and if I don't trust you defensively, I always think that the dog has a chance of outright win. Yeah. All right. Pistons line came down half a point, by the way, plus six and a half now. Could be a could be a little look there. Could All right. Inju- could be injury based as well. So could be as well. If Anthony Edwards doesn't play, that that line sky like plummets. That line plummets if Anthony Edwards does play. <laughs> All right, Scott. Anything else for people before we get up out of here? We were just talking for like fifteen minutes about nothing. Yeah, uh, it's a good time, though, talking about nothing. Uh, but, yeah, not really much more to recap. A couple of games that are somewhat interesting. Hopefully, uh, we make some money on them. And besides that, I uh, do have an announcement. Uh, we changed a little bit of the NFL gambling podcast format, but Terrell and I will be recording the Saturday game episode with player props and DFS stuff uh, later today. They weren't bold enough to put me on the day that the Giants were playing. They weren't bold enough to do it. Oh, they knew you were going to take the Giants. For the record, I like the Giants too in that game. So, I, uh, for the record, I think you should really buy stock into the Giants winning the NFC, and then just have a very, very nice dog price in the championship game where you can back 
uh, San Francisco if you want to hedge. Just yeah, so I, I don't think the Giants are going to win the NFC, but I, I can understand your point. Facing Minnesota in the first round is really not that bad of a matchup. And then you potentially get a division rival in Philly. And Philly didn't look great against Giants D-League. Like I, I mean, I'm just saying that there are a lot worse bets out there than Giants to win the NFC Championship. And if they get to the game, now you have a dog at 30 to 1 price. So, no, like the Giants to win the NFC is a better bet than the Vikings to win the NFC. <laughs> if we're being honest, that is, a, that, well, that is a true, that's a true statement. The Giants I, to win the NFC yeah. is a better bet. <laughs> Either way, point is we'll be back later today for the NFL Gambling Podcast. Yep. So, stay tuned for that. All right. Other than that, make sure you are subscribed to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review. Do all of that. He's at Rice Show Radio. I'm at Really Real underscore underscore. I have no other way of ending the podcast. Nothing to say, nothing to do. I'm going to end it like this. Fuck the Cowboys. We out of here. Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to.